Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. If we don't do anything but say amen, uh, we've had church already uh, today. What a, what a blessing. Um, so grateful uh, just to be able to worship and come together uh, as the body of Christ and Lift high the name of Jesus. He alone is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, we are uh, especially grateful that you are here, that you are worshiping with us this morning. We uh, are expectant of all that God uh, will do in our midst as we uh, open his word. And we are in the book of Philippians. We've been walking verse by verse uh, through this great uh, passage of, of scripture, and we are in verse or chapter four today. So we're in this final leg uh, of the race. And so I want to invite you, you can take your copy uh, of God's word and open it to uh, Philippians chapter number four. And we're going to uh, read that together here in just a few moments. Uh, if you're following along uh, in the app, uh, you'll be able to download that from uh, from Google Play or from uh, the uh, Apple App Store and, and follow along. You'll find sermon notes there. Uh, you'll find our online giving platform there. Uh, we're so grateful for, uh, for all of you and, and just the incredible way uh, that your generosity allows us to do things like going to Honduras. Uh, we're expecting of what God will do there. We encourage you to just continue to be praying uh, for our time there and pray for open doors for the gospel. Pray for, uh, for boldness. Pray for the team as they prepare uh, over these next, uh, approximately next week and a half uh, for leaving there. And so we're, we're excited for that. Uh, if you'll open up your copy of, of God's Word, Philippians chapter 4, if you'll stand with me just in honor uh, of the reading of the Word of God, of His infallible, inerrant, authoritative uh, Word. And we're going to read verses 1 through 5, and we're going to uh, we're going to look deep in those this morning, and, and I pray the Lord will encourage us uh, just to see a peace that only comes uh, from him. Uh, beginning in verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yodia and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also, to help these women who have shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Let's pray. Father, we pray, God, that you would bless the reading of your word. God, we pray that you would take... Uh, your word this morning, God, and you would accomplish, Lord, what you've sent it forth to do. God, we know that there's no power uh, in, in, in my works, but God, there is power in yours, Father. And we pray, God, that this morning, uh, Lord, you would, would, would speak, Lord, to every person here, God, and that we might leave this place different than we came, Lord, and that we might go into uh, this world that we live in proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we pray and ask your blessing on this service, and we ask it in, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but as we read those verses, I'm reminded that we live amongst a people 
that are looking for conflict. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like it doesn't take long to look around and you can find uh, trouble. You can scroll through social media this morning and you can find some people arguing. You can, uh, you can do a lot of different things and you'll find conflict uh, all around. And, and maybe you're like me and maybe you'd say, you know what, I, I don't like conflict. I, I, I try to stay out of conflict if I can. I don't want to be involved uh, in those kind of things. And, and even, you know, as I was reading this passage last week, I'd originally planned on just cruising right through these verses uh, in, in the midst of what we were walking through last week. And I was tempted. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm so anxious. Now the Bible says you're going to see anxious for nothing, uh, but I'm anxious to get to the next part of, of this book in, uh, of this chapter in Philippians, because it's going to talk about anxiety. And we live in a world that not only is filled with conflict, but a world that, that, is, that is plagued and is paralyzed by anxiety. And, and we're going to see in the scriptures that God, uh, and, and I just believe God's going to do a work in us as we, as we look at uh, this, this next few weeks as we walk through Philippians 4 and look at the peace that God uh, can give. And, and this morning, I, I want to encourage us to stand firm in, in the right battle. Now, when we think about the conflicts that are around, I want to remind you that we, uh, we are in a battle. And, and as we recognized in the beginning, God's already won. Uh, but we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And, and as we look in uh, this passage of Scripture, we're going to see conflict in the church. And we're going to see that unresolved conflict and broken relationships are robbing people of peace. And they're, they're robbing uh, Iodia and Syntyche in this, this passage. I believe that, that because of the impact that it was making, that it was robbing that church of peace. It was robbing that church of all that God has for them. And we see conflict all around. You know, I, last week I shared uh, a few pictures from Sherry and I's adventure on our waterfall trip. And y'all got to laugh at me a little bit, but it was a day of sermon illustrations. I'm thinking, does all this stuff happen to everybody? Uh, I don't know, but like we're leaving and, and my beautiful bride, we're going waterfalling, we're excited, we're on, the, we're on the way. And there's a shortcut from my house. If I turn one direction, I can get to Georgia and I can get there faster. And we're going to Georgia to see the waterfall. So we turn and, and, and my old bride, we're driving down through there and Sherry looks at me and she says, oh, I forgot. We need to drop something off in town. And I said, no problem, baby. I said, we'll turn around and we'll go the other way and we'll go there and then we'll head down to Georgia. So uh, like, like all people that are going the wrong direction, what do you do? You turn around. So I'm looking and not too far, like from where I live and, and from where we had turned going that direction, there was a driveway that was easy for me to pull in and turn around. And I said, this is going to be great. It's perfect. And so I just pull in and, and I pull in, I kind of make a little bit of the turn and I see uh, th this truck coming down the driveway and I look at my wife uh, and, and in, in words that she could very come, come close to verifying, they sounded just like this. I said, you know, they live pretty close. We've never met them. I think I'll stop and introduce myself because we need to be about our neighbors and the gospel. And, and, and I start backing up the driveway just a little bit so I can introduce myself. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a great moment, you know, and they're going to love me and I'm going to love them. And, and, and I start backing up. And, and when I do, when I start backing up, all of a sudden they start just slamming down on the horn. Like, and it's obviously, it's not like the Nit, 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 nit. we see you, it's good. It wasn't that common. It was like, get out of my driveway, you know? And so there's a part of me, I'm thinking, maybe I should introduce myself. And then I'm thinking, if I jump out, then, you know, it may be antagonistic. Maybe if they're trying to get me later. And I'm like, you know, probably, probably I need to introduce myself later in a different vehicle, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. So we just pull out and, and uh, you know, we get to the stop sign that's on up the road a little bit and we pull up to the stop sign and I can hear them screaming from the truck, right? And it, and again, I'm, I'm like, I probably should get out and visit with them, you know? And, 
And, I, and I'm like, and, and, I, and not to like be antagonistic, but just like, hey, bro, sorry, you know, just my, but I thought, you know, if I jump out right now, I might get shot. I mean, these people are pretty excited. So I'm like, I'll just keep on driving. I'll meet them later. Maybe I'll write them a letter. I know their address. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're like in their 60s, okay? And so I'm thinking, I mean, that's my guess, you know, through the window as they scream and their voice and all that. And so, and so we drive on down the road. We get a little further down the road. And I'm thinking, you know, these people are, are, are lost, number one. I'm like, I've identified some people to pray with, uh, pray for. Maybe not pray with right now, but... Um, <laughs> And so I, I, I pull on, and when we get to the four lane there where they can drive, they, they zoom by me like they're like really fast, you know, and they're a lot of, a lot of gas, and I'm kind of laughing, you know, and Sherry's smiling and waving as they go by, you know, I'm like, baby, quit, you know, you gotta. <laughs> it was a love you wave. It was a love you wave, right? We're... And so, so, so they go on by, you know, and, and we're kind of like, you know, sorry, you know, just kind of waving by. Well, they get to where they're going to turn and we're kind of going by and, and lo and behold, uh, and I don't, uh, they, they give me this gesture out the window and I don't believe they were saying I'm number one. Um, I mean, this is not going so good for me, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, we'll, we'll kind of lean in here later. But, but here it is, right? They're responding. And, and, and a lot of times there's conflict all around us and and people, it was pretty quick for me to identify, like, we need to pray for them. I need to visit with them. Uh, there's conflict, you know, that, that they're looking for. They're kind of in that mode. And, and they're doing what lost people do, right? And, and, in, and in their heart, what I know and what I'm talking to share about is they just have no peace, right? They've, they've never experienced Christ. They've never experienced the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. And, and so we need to pray for them. And I'm going to write this letter. I got their address. And I'm like, I'm going to engage somehow. I'm going to pray about that first and, and, and try to, to love on them some. But we're, we're trying to figure that out. But I'm reminded, right, that, that this conflict thing is all around. And, and people are looking for a people that will respond to conflict differently than this world. And I wonder what's the difference in the way you and I respond to conflict compared to the rest of the people that are in this world that are without Christ. And there should be dramatic difference in the body of Christ in the way we do that. Now, Paul's going to address conflict within the church. And we're going to jump right in because uh, we got a lot of work to do. But verse uh, 14 and 15 of Philippians chapter 2, he's kind of already addressed some of this, right? We, we see him, uh, re we read these words. Words. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Now, Paul has encouraged them. He said, you're to be light in the midst of this world. And then we're going to read in verse one of chapter four today that we've been called to stand firm uh, in the gospel. He says, therefore, and he's going to give them some instruction. Uh, what we know about this letter and the church at Philippi by the language that Paul uses, uh, I'm pretty confident this was his favorite church, right? Like he, he has encouraged them from the beginning. He is thanking God for them in the beginning. He's thanking God for their partnership in the gospel. And the words that he would use in chapter one is that he's so thankful for their partnership in the gospel from the beginning until now, that it's been this continued partnership in the gospel. And he's seen evidence of Christ working in their life. And in verse six of chapter one, he said, he is confident of this very thing. He says, as I look at your lives and I see you, he, he says, I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you is gonna see it through into the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And I look out at, at a group of believers that I love so much. And, and as I look out, I'm reminded that he who began a good work in, in this place in Cowie in 1828, that I'm confident of this very thing, 
that, that he who began a good work in us, that he's going to see it through to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful uh, that, that, that we can be confident in those things, and it's because of Christ and what he's doing. Verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, my beloved Brethren, he says, man, I love you, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see. And he says, you're my joy. When I, when I look at you, it brings me joy. He said, you're my joy and my crown. In the Greek, it's this Stephanos. It's this runner's victor crown. He's like, you are the reward. You're the, the evidence of the work that I've been doing. He said, you're my joy and my crown. And then he says, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. Now, now we, we're hearing from the Apostle Paul, and he's looking back, and he says, Jesus is coming soon in, in chapter 3. And he said, listen, you, he said, you are, are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, we eagerly await a Savior. We eagerly await Jesus to return and make all things new. And then he says, stand firm. Don't give up. He said, don't give up, church. The times that you're in, they're not easy. The marriage situation that you may be walking through, it may not be easy. But he says, don't give up, church. He says, don't give up. You are in Christ. And he says, the, keep pressing on. And, and it looks back, reminding us of that heavenly citizenship. And he says, stand firm. And he's told him, he says, look to those examples like the Apostle Paul. Look to him. Look to people like Timothy, Epaphroditus. Look to those people. Look to those who, who are walking in the Lord. Look to them. Follow those examples, but be aware that there are those that are around you, those that might even confess the name of Christ, those that are enemies of the cross, those that you need to be aware of. But may the reality of your citizenship in Christ and the promise of his soon return, may it give you strength in these moments to stand firm. What does it look like? What does it look like for a people to stand firm? What does it look like for the church to stand form, firm and be lights in the midst of a perverse and a wicked generation? What does it look like to do that? I'm going to give you three things before we lean in to the rest of these verses. But the first thing is, is that we proclaim the gospel, the, the, the solution. We look around this world and we, we understand the disease is everywhere. And that disease is sin. And there is only one thing that changes that. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and there's nothing else. Uh, that, that, that will impact this world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not a political solution. There's not an educational solution. It is the gospel. and the proclamation of the gospel, we stand firm proclaiming the good news of the gospel. That's what Paul said in the first chapter. He said, even though I'm in prison, he said, I'm walking through difficult moments. And he said, I want you to know that my imprisonment has caused the gospel to continue to progress. They've chained me to a soldier and my attitude's not bad. I'm just telling him about Jesus. He says, my my, my imprisonment has caused other people to proclaim the gospel. He says the gospel is everything. And, and it's our heart as a church. And I want to just invite you. We, we are, have been working as a staff. And a few months back, we had a, a retreat with our deacons. And we began really to just look at this call to proclaim the gospel, this call to make disciples. And, and we've uh, been, been working diligently and have had a, a, a test group of uh, a D group that's been going on for the last couple of months. And, and it's one of the most accelerated uh, discipling, relational, uh, just commitments that, that we have 
have ever seen or ever heard of. We're seeing just incredible fruit in that. And I'm reminded that like when the Marines come and present some things, they'll say, hey, uh, this is, this, we're looking for a few people. And they might look out at a, at a group of students and they might look out at them and say, hey, what we're asking you to do is go through the toughest thing that you could ever imagine, the hardest thing that you would ever do. And it's going to take commitment and it's going to take discipline and it's going to take all these things. And there are a few people that will hear that call. There are some that will hear that and say, you know what? That's not for me. But there are a few people who hear that call and, and, and they almost run to the moment to, to be involved and to sign up and to be part of that. And the apostle Paul would write to Timothy and he would say, stand strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And he would say, stand firm. And he said, take these things that you've heard and learned from me in the presence of many witnesses. And he said, what I want you to do is entrust those to faithful men who will do who will, who will teach them and entrust those to others also. And, and I want to invite you over the next few months, we're preparing uh, for the first of the year to launch what I believe uh, could have the most impact of anything that, that I have been part of since I have been in ministry. And we are confident that the Lord has been stirring and working in the midst of that. And, and I'm just, I just want to say, I'm looking for a few good win, a few good win, a few that would say, you know what, we want to engage in something and we want to give our life. We know it's not going to be easy. We know that, that it's not going to be something that's painless. We know that it's not, but there are people that will know Jesus and that will hear the good news of the gospel and that will be discipled because of our obedience to Christ. And so if God speaks to you in that, I, I want to encourage you just to lean into me because I am desiring to, to entrust and pour in uh, to some faithful people who would commit to doing likewise. And, and we want to launch that the first of the year. We want to be prepared to do that in a way that would proclaim the gospel. The second thing that I want to encourage you as the body of Christ to do is we want to protect our children. We want to be in a place we, we recognize, and as Ethan was praying, the world is in terrible shape, and we see all kind of things that are around us, and we, we see just a, an impact that's happening on the next generation. You know, we were in the Gospel of John, and on Wednesday night, we're walking verse by verse through the Gospel of John. I teach a, a men's class that's walking through John right now, and as we were reading John chapter 2, there's this uh, moment in John chapter 2 where Jesus uh, goes into the temple. And when he gets there, he finds some things going on uh, that, that make him angry. And, and we identify that. We said, hey, is Jesus angry here? And, and what we see Jesus do is like braid up a, a whip and he begins to whip these money changers out of the temple. He's turning over tables. Jesus is serious in these moments, right? And, and what's going on in that place, the place that God had set aside to be a house of prayer, it's become a den of robbers and they're taking advantage of people. And we see in the gospel of John, that there's one spot where Jesus speaks directly to those who were selling doves. And as we were talking about that, there, there's this, uh, this reason that I believe that he addressed those, those specifically in those moments, right? They were selling doves. And what we know in Leviticus is those that could not afford the expensive sacrifices, those that could not afford a lamb, those that could not afford those things, that God had made a, a way for them to be able to fulfill the requirements of the law and for them to be able to fulfill what was demanded of them. And, in being able to sacrifice a dove, to be able to sacrifice something less expensive. And these people, that the lowest of lows, were taking advantage of the poor and the marginalized. And I want you to understand that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must stand for those who are unable to stand for themselves. And, and we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been called, we, we've been using language with our discipleship uh, program that we're going to be releasing, is that we want to be daily abiding, right? This is, this is what we want to equip people to do, to daily abide 
abide in the Word of God. And we want to be daily abiding, regularly sharing, intentionally discipling forces for good in the midst of our community and around the world. And when we think about being a force for good, can I just say thank you for being a church that embraces that. You know, last week, I got a sunburn outside on my, on my head hanging out with the trail off guys. And there were, I don't know how many were there. I saw a picture and it was just like so many dads and their sons and, and other leaders in our church and other men that were giving themselves, pouring into the next generation. And we, we recognize that there's a need for men and, and their sons and for, and, and for sons that may not have dads and don't have those mentoring relationships. And so our church has said, hey, we see this need in our community and we're going to engage and be a force for good that we might equip and train and disciple young men uh, to follow Jesus and young men uh, to, to just be men. Let's just let boys be boys in the midst of those things. And we're praying, right? Some of you have little, little girls, right? And we're praying that there would be some ladies that might rise up and that God might, we don't want you like just to say, hey, you know, I, I hate kids, but I'll do that. Like, no, 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 we won't. <laughs> well, that don't work, right? We've tried to do that so long. We've said, we got a need and you've got air. And so you come to, listen, we want people that God is calling and that God is equipping to invest and to give themselves towards something that could make generational impact, that could, could change everything. We want to be a force for good. I thank God uh, there are some of you in this room that have been going and sitting in library board meetings and have been sitting uh, in county commissioners meetings and you've been going to be a force for righteousness in the midst of our community because there's a reality that, that all across our land and, and we, need to, we need to not put our head in the sand, right? We we don't want to have that ostrich look and run around and think that there's not an agenda that's trying to impact the next generation. Well, we need to understand and we need to recognize those things. And what we're seeing uh, when it comes to the library specifically, there's people that are going and they're saying, hey, these are inappropriate books with pornographic material in them. And they're being placed in places that our kids can see them. And we understand that when that happens, that it changes things in their mind. And we understand the impact of pornography. We understand the impact of all those things. And there are people that are saying it's not okay. And it's not okay. The world is screaming. And what we're living in is a culture of outrage. We're living in a culture of outrage that whoever's screaming the loudest. And somehow the church has become silent in the midst of those moments. And we've got to be a people that will say, you know what? We're going to stand for righteousness. And we're going to do it in love. Because not only are we protecting our children, we've got to protect our witness. right? We've got to let everything be done in love. You know, we, we've been intentional uh, over this past season. We've, we've seen the Trail Life ministry launch. We had a Sunday that focused on Guardian Ad Litem. And we had a Sunday that was focused on foster care. And the call that we have as followers of Jesus Christ to invest in children that are not our own and children that are our own and to make disciples and to engage in ministry. And last week, if you were in this service, you saw an incredible blessing right at the end of the service. There was a young man, the very last person that came to faith in Christ last Sunday and then stepped into those baptismal waters was Tyler and Pastor Chris and his family, Pastor Chris and Lindsay uh, have been fostering and, and just a few weeks ago got guardianship of Tyler and, and their prayer since the beginning. See, there's a reason that we want the body of Christ to engage in that is because we want to be the ones that are investing and that are breathing in to a generation because this world will disciple our children and they are being discipled by something and they are being discipled by someone and it's a call as followers of Jesus Christ, that you and I, those who have been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, 
that we would be the people that would pour our lives into the next generation. And Pastor Chris had the blessing of coming and kneeling right about here in the altar and leading Tyler to faith in Christ. And as he surrendered his life to Christ, they entered into the baptism of water. And Pastor Chris had the joy of saying, this is my son. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. And then we, yes, it's not easy, but God hadn't called us to be comfortable. He hadn't called us to somehow walk in the midst of this world and never face any opposition and never have any difficulty. Fact is, he said that all you who live godly lives in Christ Jesus will face persecution. And if you're not facing any, you're probably not living any. And it's time that the church of Jesus Christ stands firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we proclaim the good news of the gospel, that we protect our children, that we walk in the power of the Spirit of God. We protect our witness because everything that we do is done in love. And here's the thing. He says, we're going to be united on mission. All that was free. I'm about to get to the sermon. So if you're in the notes, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Soon. He says, listen, we're to be united on mission. We're to stand firm in the gospel. But here's the thing. Satan, if you want to know what Satan's math is, it's division. And he knows that if the outside world can't get to us, that he's going to try to attack from within. And so what we are leaned into here is a situation in the church of Philippi that Paul considers important enough to leave in the scriptures that we might read. Satan may desire to divide, but our God desires multiplication, that the gospel might go forth. So he moves to conflict. These two ladies in the church, Paul addresses this issue. Here's what we know. Unresolved disputes, they damage the church and they defame her witness. Those are two things that we can understand here. And so Paul writes to, to these two ladies, verse two, he says, I urge Eurodia and Stinky, that's what I call her, Stinky. Um, <laughs> conflict is stinky. So just, that's it. I urge Eurodia and Stinky to live in harmony in the Lord. Now there's a problem. We don't know what it is. This is what's interesting in here. We don't know what it is. We don't understand what's caused it. And, and it could be something silly. Anybody have like, like kids in here and you got siblings, they will fight over the silly. He looked at me funny and, and his parents were going, y'all are family. I can't believe you're fighting over this. And it's not that the issue that they're fighting about is a big deal, but what it's doing to the family is a big deal. And so the parents intervene and they get in the midst and, and, and it impacts the family. It impacts the, and, and in this, it impacts the church. It impacts the progress of the gospel. And so Paul says, I urge you. And it's an interesting word. It's the same word that in the gospel of John would be used in the noun form to refer to the Holy Spirit, paraclete, right? And, and so it's parakleo and, and he says, I urge you, and it's this begging and this imploring. And what I see in it is saying, I'm urging you in the power of the Holy Spirit of God to work this thing out. He says, listen, I urge you, I'm begging you to live in harmony, to be of the same mind in the Lord. This is the only way we get in the same mind. We don't get this in our own, right? This is in the Lord. And he says, here's some real life application. And you ladies, I urge you, I implore you in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to, to be of like-mindedness in the Lord. And then he says in verse three, indeed, true companion, I ask you to help those women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, we don't know exactly who true companion is. Some people say that the word in Greek uh, that means uh, companion or partner uh, might have been his actual name. And so he was addressing him. Some say it was a leader in the church. 
But what we know is that the Apostle Paul and those that would have heard this would have understood who he was talking about and that he was to help them. Now, these women, uh, they're known for two things. The first thing is that they were standing and they were striving. They were struggling uh, with Paul in the gospel, right? They were in battle with him and they were in the right battle with him. And they were side by side partners. These women, he is speaking of them in great ways, right? We know that. But what also we know about is that they got called out in the middle of church, right, by the Apostle Paul. Like, can you imagine? Like, we get a letter, right, from Paul, and they're excited, and they're like, everybody gather up. We got a letter from the Apostle Paul. And stinky. They get there. Those are big words. Nobody's naming their kids that, right? And, and, and they gather them up, right? They gather them up, and they open the word, and they're like, I'm so thankful for y'all. Paul's saying all that. He's like, Man, your partnership in the gospel from the beginning till now, we love you. And then he gets to chapter four and like they hear these words, right? They hear their name. They hear themselves called out. This is what comes to my mind, right? This would have been a difficult moment, right? but it, it reveals some stuff about these ladies. I mean, Paul tells us some stuff that we need to know about these ladies. The one is that they are followers of Jesus Christ. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they were past tense. They were struggling side by side in the gospel. And could it be that maybe because of this conflict that it's taken them out? Maybe because of this conflict, maybe they're still trying, but they're ineffective. Could it be that this conflict has taken them uh, out, right? That, that they're, they're losing and maybe they've lost their effectiveness in the gospel. And Paul says, listen, you need to have this common attitude in Christ. And, and if you'll center on the gospel, if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus, then all the rest of this mess will look so small. And, and he says this in verse four, he says, joy in Christ. It's the cure for conflict. Verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. See, it's not about figuring out so much who is right and who is wrong, but it's figuring out about doing what is right. And he gives this practical call to, to urge them to be of the same mind, to be in the Lord. And, and here's what I want to leave you. I'm going to send out uh, in, in the weekly email that will come out tomorrow. Actually, when I say I, I mean Kelly. But we're going to send out. Uh, some, some practical steps about this, some things that, uh, that I wanted to lean into just a little bit, but I'm going to give you just a surface view and, and we're going to land and, and, and be done. But, but there's all kinds of things that, that result in conflict. And the question is, how do we handle it different from the world? I read a book by Ken Sandy. He wrote a book called The Peacemaker. And in that, uh, he, he talks about these two tendencies that we have when we deal with conflict we either escape and we just avoid it completely. So you'll see kind of this response. You'll see this relational suicide. It's like the, the relationship's over. I'm not dealing with it. I'm not addressing this. I'm going to withdraw emotionally. I'm going to be silent. So there's this escape response. And on the other side of this slippery slope that's dangerous is this attack response. And we're going to come in and we're going to say, this is why you have done all these things. And we're going to attack. It's also going to end the relationship. It's also going to do damage to the relationship. But he says, listen, there's this attack response or this escape response. And in the middle of that, right, there's this, this peacemaker response that says, we're going to be with humility and mercy and grace. We're going to seek justice. We're going to love mercy. We're going to walk humbly with our God. We're going to engage in this because the gospel is important. See, it's hard work. Being a peacemaker is hard work. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to give you four things, four G's really quickly, and we're going to close. And then I'm going to send out some more detail on this. But the biblical pattern for resolving conflict, Sunday says, is this, four G's. Number one, glorify 
God, when we will approach conflict and we'll say, how am I going to walk through this conflict and how am I going to glorify God in the midst of it? First Corinthians 10 31 says, everything you do, do it for the glory of God. How am I going to do that? How am I going to imitate the grace that God has extended to me? How am I going to honor his name? I'm going to trust God in the midst of those places. I want to honor him. How am I going to demonstrate that, that he has saved me, that I've been experienced his grace and I'm going to extend his grace? The second G is we're going to get the log out of our own eye, okay? Now, I saw a, I saw a pastor um, that I saw on social media, and he had a giant tattoo on his arm that said, only God can judge me, uh, but, but it just happens to be that that's unbiblical, right? That's not what the Bible says, and, and here's the truth. Like, we are to make righteous judgment. We are to engage in some of that in the body of Christ, but we are first to get the log out of our eye before we try to remove a splinter from someone else's eye. That's Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. And, and by the way, I can't not share this. This 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says this. He said, this is a trustworthy statement and worthy of, of being fully accepted. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then the apostle Paul says, of who I am I'm the chief. I'm the foremost. And so when you start dealing with conflict, and what I want, I want everybody to practice this, okay? Don't point at anybody else when I make this statement. Who is the greatest sinner in the room? It's me. And when we'll walk into conflict and we'll understand that the greatest sinner in this conflict is you, is me, man, it changes everything. Third G, gently restore. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. So we deal with our own log. Then we gently go. Scripture says, if, if he listens to you, that you've won your brother. So if the, there, there are some things we just need to overlook. Like we don't have to get hung up on everything. I, I don't have to worry about some lost person telling me I'm number one. Like, I, I mean, it don't make no difference, right? And when it comes to the body of Christ, we need to let some things go. Right? We, need to, we need to overlook some things. Right? We need to be able to do that. Right? But, but when it's strained a relationship, when, we, when we're in that, we need to seek to restore that. We need to walk in that. And, and we're focusing on what Jesus has done in our life. And so we extend that to somebody else. Final G, and we're closing this thing out. Go and be reconciled. Replace this hostility. Replace this separation. Here's the thing. See, next week we're going to look at this, this way that we experience peace in the midst of a world filled with anxiety. And some of us, we can experience peace with, with, with all the circumstances that are around because we have relationships that are strained. We have hostility and we have separation and we have all these crazy things. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 5 says, Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, not that you have something against your brother, but, but that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. It hinders our worship when there's conflict. It hinders our worship when we hold these grudges. It hinders our worship when we are not extending grace like Christ has extended grace to us. When we, when we are more concerned about ourselves than we are ourselves collectively, mostly with God at the center, right, in the impact that it does. So, you know, we go and we, we reconcile, we plan, we engage. And it doesn't always end well. It doesn't always, we can't, we can't control how somebody else responds. But I love what Romans 12, verse 17 and 18 say, never pay evil, pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. 
And if possible, so far as it depends on you. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. Like we don't want to short circuit the power of God in our midst. We don't want to short circuit the power of God in our lives because we are harboring anger. We don't want to, we don't want to be in a place that we're bitter and we can't experience peace. So far as it depends on us, let us be at peace with all men. And I want to remind you that it begins first by having peace with God. And it is out of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we were enemies of God. And that through the cross, we've been reconciled. If we believe and trust in Jesus Christ, if we surrender our life to him, that that we are reconciled, that, that our relationship has been made restored. We have peace with God. And out of that peace with God, we can have peace with one another. So I encourage you this morning, if you have never trusted Jesus for salvation, that this morning you might surrender your life to Jesus, that you might walk in obedience, that you might, you might repent of your sins, that you might come and, and surrender in this posture that says, God, my life is yours. Forgive me of my sin. Heal me. Save me. God, I want to experience peace with you. And then you may step right into those baptismal waters, just walking in obedience to Christ. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to worship in closing. Father, we thank you, Lord, that it is through the cross that we've been reconciled, that our relationship that was broken, Lord, though we were separated from you, God, that through the work of the cross, Lord, you've made a way for all who would believe and trust in Jesus Christ, Lord, that for all those here this morning, that would look to that cross, Lord, and that we would recognize that when you died on that cross, Lord, that it counted for me, God, that it counted for us. And Lord, that we might come in humility, recognizing our desperate need for your salvation, Lord, knowing that there's nothing that we could do to earn it, that there are no works that we could do uh, to earn our right standing before you, but that it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, your word tells us that without the shedding of blood, that there is no remission of sin, Lord, and in, in, in the perfect sacrifice. God, you loved us so much that you, you demonstrated that love and that while we were yet sinners, that Jesus died for us. And Lord, if we've never trusted you this morning, God, if there's someone here that doesn't have peace with you, God, that still is living in rebellion, Lord, this morning, I pray that they would surrender, God, that they would trust you for for salvation, or they would turn from their sin and they would turn to you. And God, I pray for the body of Christ gathered, Lord, for those that are our followers of you, Lord, if there is relational strain in our lives, Lord, I pray that this morning, God, whether it's a step of just praying over a relationship where it's a step of, uh, of coming to this altar and just asking for prayer, God, whatever that step is, Lord, I pray that they would take a step toward reconciliation, Lord, a step toward making things right, Lord, that we might be able to declare, God, as far as it is with us, that we live at peace with all men, Lord, and I pray that you would do a work in us. Protect us, Lord, from the enemy. Protect us from the schemes of Satan. Lord, and allow us to be unified, standing firm on mission for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we close this morning?